And then finally, the son is walking back home, and this father says that he saw him. He was looking for him, y'all. Did you see that? He's looking for him. He's watching and waiting, and he's, he just can't wait to see his son. He runs out to him, he says, and he throws his arms out, and he wraps his arms around his son, and he hugs him, and he kisses him, and he shows him compassion and love and kindness. And what a beautiful scene. This is what we want. Even though the dad had every right to be upset, frustrated. See, we always think this story is about a prodigal son or a prodigal daughter. This story is actually about a watchful father. Welcome to the Home Church Podcast. My name's Kenny, and I serve as the lead pastor here at Home Church, and we gather in Maiden, North Carolina. We're so glad you tuned in to today's episode, and we hope that this episode will help encourage you and inspire you as you continue to follow Jesus step by step. Uh, I want to kind of dive in, and I want to ask you a question, and this is, a, this is an all skate, right? So everybody has to participate. Even you, Kevin, that's my brother. He has to participate, right? And, and so I want to ask you a question. Raise your hand if you ever ran away from home. You ever ran away? Okay, there's a couple of hands in the room. Well, okay, here's a better question. Raise your hand if you ever thought about running away from home. Yeah, that's, that's practically everyone. And so it's funny, I was talking to my mom the other night, and I said, Mom, do you remember that time that I ran away from home? And, and she didn't even really remember it, but I remember it. I remember packing a bag, and I remember walking down the road. I don't remember why I had decided to run away from home, but I had. And if you've ever been in that place that you actually did decide to run away from home or you thought about it, here's, here's what I know probably went through your head. You were frustrated about something. You were angry. You were disappointed. Maybe you were, you were even hurt or you felt like something was dangerous. I don't, there are lots of things that lead up to it. But here's what I really believe. And see if you can go here with me. Is if you ever really think about running away and you actually do decide to run away, here's why. It's because at some point in something that you're walking through, you thought there was something better to go to. You thought there was just something better to go to. Now, as a little kid, you thought that there were better parents out there, right? You thought there was a mom and dad that every time you went to Target, they would actually get you that new toy, and I wanted to run away to them. Or even as a teenager, you thought that there were parents out there that were cool with you partying and smoking and, and drinking and having sex and staying up all night playing video games. And you were frustrated with your parents because they were trying to hold you to their rules. And so I'm looking to run away. I'm trying to go find those parents that would let me do all those things. But then it continues on in lots of different ways in our life that we, we just feel this need to run away. And, and there's something unique about that in our lives, in our stories, that all of us kind of have pieces of that in common that I want to lean in on today. And so if you have your Bible, I'd invite you to pull it out. And if you maybe have an, even a version app on your phone, uh, if you'll go to live events, we actually have it set up where you can follow along with the scripture that we have. Uh, but if you have your Bible, join me in Luke chapter 15, and we're going to share a familiar story that I think will tie all this together. And it just works perfectly for where we're going as a church, and I think it's going to tie to us today. I want you to hear what God has to say. And so this story, if you, if you have your Bible, join me in uh, Luke 15, starting in verse 11. And here's what it says. It says, Jesus continued, because Jesus was telling a, a, a grouping of stories. He was sitting with uh, some religious leaders and even some sinners. 
He was having fun. This is what Jesus did. He's always sitting with all kinds of crazy people. But he started to tell a series of stories, and this is the third in that series. The Bible calls them parables. But it's really Jesus' way of trying to communicate something. And the third story, it says he continued, and he says, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So that, and so he divided his property between them. So I want to kind of pause right there and break some of this down because there's something really unique that I want you to see in this. A couple of things. First of all, and if you're taking some notes, if you're a Bible nerd like me, here's something that maybe you didn't know or it will help you along your journey as you start to read and understand scripture. But anytime that we read in this context that someone asked their parent or their father for their inheritance, basically what he was saying was, dad, I hope you die. He's straight up saying, I hope you go ahead and die. Now, listen, when we ran away from home, you were probably thinking some of that, right? I just wish you would die. But think about that, saying that to your parents. Now, here's what this looks like for us. Because how many of you have heard someone in your family, because you didn't do this, but someone in your family said, man, I'm just waiting on that insurance money. So mama go ahead and goes on to heaven. You're basically saying, we've done this, and they say it in scripture. I just wish you'd go ahead and die. Think about that. So he comes to his father and he basically says, I wish you'd go ahead and die because I want my money. Now there's another little Bible nerdy thing that you should understand is that there's this idea of the firstborn. It's called the behor. The behor, the be what? It's called the behor. And this is the firstborn in a Jewish family. Now, unlike you and I, the firstborn doesn't, you know, it's, it's a whole lot different because my mom's back there. Hey, mama. And she ain't giving me extra. She's just not. But in a behor, the, first, the firstborn, he would, actually get, um, he would actually get a double portion of the inheritance. So because scripture said there were two sons, the younger son would only get a third. And so y'all, he's straight up telling his daddy, I wish you'd die and I don't care that I'm not getting as much as my brother. I just want it so I can go. And I don't know about you, but like I see all of this happening and I'm like, whoa, this is kind of a big deal. He wants his father to die, and he moves on. But here's what it says in verse 13. It says, not long after that, the younger son got all of his things together, and he went off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth and wild living. Now, we talked about running away a little earlier. If I'm going to run away, that's probably what it would look like, right? I'm going to get all my stuff, and I'm going to squander it in wild living. This is what happens. Have you ever been in this place where you just decided to run off and kind of do your own thing? This is why we run away, because we think there's better out there for us. We think there's uh, better parents, uh, better, better uh, you know, siblings, better spouses, better jobs, all these things we think are better, so we run off to them, and then we squander them. I think about this, again, in kind of the context uh, that we looked at, but there's something I want you to grab onto. Did you see it? It said that he went off to a distant place. Did you see that? There's something interesting, especially in our culture right now, that we think that distance is a good thing, right? We say we need the social distance. We got to keep some separation. But I don't know if you caught this and that you've seen this, but I certainly have. And I just came to warn someone today that the thing, this space that we're chasing after that we think is going to bring us good things, right? We're trying to get away from our parents. We're trying to maybe get a weekend away from our spouse. We take some time and get away from the Bible or even church because we just need to, you know, 
have some time to ourselves. The space that we think is helping is actually hurting. It's creating distance in the things that we actually need to be close to. Think about this. Think about when it comes to uh, your, your parents. We go chasing away, trying to run away, but then at some point we look back and write, man, I wish I had a better relationship with my parents. I wish I had a better relationship with my parents. What about with your spouse? Have you ever just said, man, I just need a weekend away? And then it turned into, well, I've got a couple of weeks away with the guys or the girls. And then all of a sudden there's this separation that starts to happen and we start sleeping in different bedrooms. And then all of a sudden we're just separated completely and it ends in divorce. So this distance, this thing that we think we want is really causing us problems, but it also shows up in our relationship with God. How often do we neglect the things of God for the things that we want, our own flesh, our own desires? We, we stop reading our Bible. We just take a few days off, and then it's a, a, a few weeks, and then it's a month. And the next thing you know, we can't remember the last time we've actually opened God's Word. And then, all of a sudden, you know, church is just not that big a deal. Man, I got this new RV, and it's awesome. And we go three weekends uh, a month, and we go RVing. And listen, we can't, what's church anyways? Nobody's really going to church right now. All this social distancing isn't even safe. You know, we're trying to get some space. We're trying to enjoy the great outdoors. We don't really need that. And then all of a sudden, we find ourselves in a similar place that this young man did. Because the story goes on. It says, after he had spent everything, there was a a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to the fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. And, And so I just want to point this out. How often do when we chase after satisfaction, the things that we think are going to fill our belly, do we find that all of a sudden we have nothing? All this wild living and how we spend our money, how we spend our time, how we spend our effort and energy, all of a sudden we just find that it's worthless. Have you ever been in this place like he has where you chase after what you thought was right, what you thought were the things that you wanted that was better on the other side, and then you squandered it all and you found yourself in this place of distress? This place of just having nothing, nothing. And then he starts to dive in. And now all of a sudden for a Jewish boy to touch a pig, let alone wallow in the mud and then want to actually eat the food that the pig is eating. This is disgusting. This is disgraceful. This is dirty. I've been there. Have you ever found yourself just diving so deep into the things that you want your flesh, your desires, that all of a sudden you find yourself in a place that you swore you'd never be. You swore you'd never cheat. You swore that you would never start gambling. You swore you would never give into alcoholism like your daddy. You swore that you would raise your kids better and treat them well and spend time with them. You find yourself in just this deep, dark, dirty place and it gets there in a hurry when we chase after the things that we want. I've been there. I know exactly how that feels. And thank God that wasn't the end of my story. And thank God that wasn't the end of his. It goes on in verse um, verse 17. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? 
and here I am starving to death. He says, I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and come against you. I no longer worthy to be called your son. Would you hire me like one of your servants? And so here's what we're thinking. Uh, many of us are like, awesome, cool, this guy, good. He came to his senses. He saw where he was wrong, and he kind of has this plan. Did you hear this self-talk that he did? He kind of has this talk to himself, and he's like, all right, here's how it's going to go. I'm going to go back to Pops, and I'm going to tell him I was wrong, and I'm going to tell him, you know, it's all good, and tell him, I, I just, Dad, just give me a job. I don't care. I don't need the great things anymore. I don't need to live in the big house. Just let me, just give me a job, Pops. And he has this idea, but here's the problem. We like to give him credit, but here's the truth. This young man wasn't really interested in changing his ways. He was just interested in getting out of the place that he was. And he looks at this father, not as someone who loves him and who wants to welcome him, but just a means to an end. Does your kids do that to you? Mine does. Jackson, my oldest, y'all, he's the worst. This kid, I swear, he will, he'll just be like tearing up one of his other brothers, beating them down or doing something kind of crazy. And I'm like, Jackson, what, what are you doing? He's like, and he knows that I'm upset. And, and by the way, just so you know, you can judge me all you want. I mean, we spank in our house if we need to, okay? I got some amens. And then there's some other people walking out. I'm sorry. Um, and so Jackson, in response, knowing he's in trouble, he doesn't really know what he was doing wrong or is willing to understand what he was doing wrong. He just knew that he was doing wrong. And so when I come to him and I say, Jackson, what are you doing? He says, Daddy, Daddy, I'm sorry. And all he's really trying to do is just get out of getting in trouble. And that's what this dude's doing as well. He doesn't really repent. He doesn't really understand his wrong. He just knows he's not in a good place and he wants to fix it. But I love how the rest of the story works out. It says this, but while he was still a long way off, there's that distance. His father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son and threw his arms around him and kissed him. Now, y'all, I'm just here to tell you, when I ran away from home, that ain't what happened. Like that, that, that ain't how it went down. Like when I ran away from home, like I remember my daddy out in the yard with the belt, right? I, that's just, just being real. That's how it worked out for us. Okay. But what a beautiful, beautiful scene. Because here we have this son. I want you to see all this because this son who the last time he saw his daddy, he said, I hope you die. I want your money. I got better things out there. I'm going to go and get mine. And that's the last thing he said to his dad before he walked out the door. And yet we have this beautiful scene of this father. Think about this. He's looking. He's waiting. He's searching. I can almost imagine he's standing out on the front porch at night with this cup of coffee. I'm sure they had coffee back then, right? Just gazing over the hillside, just hoping, looking, wandering. Every morning he gets up to go do his work and I can just see him doing his work and just glancing up to the, to the hillside again, just hoping, hoping that one day he might see his son. It's beautiful. And then finally, the son is walking back home and this father says that he saw him. He was looking for him, y'all. Did you see that? He's looking for him. He's watching and waiting and he he's just can't wait 
to see his son. He runs out to him, he says, and he throws his arms out and he wraps his arms around his son and he hugs him and he kisses him and he shows him compassion and love and kindness. And what a beautiful scene. This is what we want. Even though the dad had every right to be upset, frustrated. See, we always think this story is about a prodigal son or a prodigal daughter. This story is actually about a watchful father. A watchful and a waiting father who loves his son beyond anything that he could have done, waiting on him to come back to say, I love you. And then watch, uh, and I love this because did you see it said it was a far, a far way off. This is, so, this is so key. Grab this. Because this is important for our church. This is at the heart of who we are as a church. And so I want to show you kind of how this connects. If you join me over in Acts chapter 2, I want to show you something really cool, really beautiful, how all this works together. Because there's this thing about being far off and looking for people who are far off. And Peter starts to meet with leaders and, and it says this in Acts chapter 2, over in verse 36. It says, therefore, let all of Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. Why? For the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And here's what I want you to see. This promise, the promise of salvation, this promise is for you and your children and all who are far off. Far off. All who the Lord God will call. You see, as a church, this is what we're all about. We're all about reaching people far from God. In fact, it's a part of our vision statement. This thing that as a church we will chase after with all that we've got to reach people far from God and to, then to teach them how to follow Jesus step by step. This is who we are as a church. And so if you came today and wonder, hey, what's this home church all about? Like, this is it. This is what we do. This is why we do what we do, to reach people who are far off. And listen, by the way, far off, doesn't mean that they are miles away, they've never heard about God. In this community, I'll tell you this. One of the things that I've recognized so quickly is that far off really means most people here were raised in church. They know all about God, but far off is 18 inches because they don't actually know God in their heart. They know all about him in their head. Far off for people in our community, a lot of them is 18 inches. That's the space between your head and your heart. But we will do everything that we can to reach people far from God, and then we will teach them how to follow Jesus step by step. That's who we are as a church. Watch how this story ends. <laughs> I love it. it. Says this in verse twenty-one, because remember the the father had wrapped his arms around, loving him, kissing him, and remember why the son. He started to come back. He kind of had created in his mind what he wanted to say. Watch this. So he starts the line. He says, the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against you and against heaven. And I no longer am worthy to be called your son. So he starts it, right? This scheme, this, this plan. He's like, all right, here's my line. I got, I, here's exactly what I'm going to say to my dad. And remember, next, he was going to say, Dad, if you just give me a job. But church, here's what I came to tell you today. This is exactly the beautiful part 
that we have to understand is that God has other plans. And this father had other plans. I'm going to invite you guys to come back and join me. Watch what it says. He didn't even get to finish the line. He says this. He says, bring the best robe, because he called out to his servants. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. He didn't even get to finish his story. He didn't even get to finish the ploy, the plot, the scheme to try to like work his way back in because we create things in our own head about the mistakes that we've made and the excuses we want to create to try to get back in the good graces. And we do this with our friends, our family, our spouses, our kids. We also do this with God. We've been running so far away and we try to start to create all these ways of trying to get back in his good graces. But just like this father did, and by the way, Jesus was absolutely trying to connect these things. He was trying to connect these things. And so he was trying to help us understand that God the Father is just like this Father. And so I want you to see this, my friends. He loved him. He wrapped his arms around him. And he said, listen, no, no, no. I don't need to hear any of that stuff. He says, I love you. And he says, quit. He tells the servants, go and grab the fatted calf. Grab a robe for my son. We're going to celebrate. Why? Because who I thought was dead is yet alive. Who I thought was lost is found. And this is exactly the God that we serve. This is exactly the God who wants relationship with you, son and daughter. How many of us have run away? Maybe as a child, maybe even as an adult, maybe even recently. You've been chasing after your own things, the things that you want, the things of the world, this fleshly desires. And you finally get to the bottom of that pit and there ain't nothing left. And rather than just recognizing and repenting of what you've done wrong, we start to create excuses. Well, if I just do this and I'll just, God, I'll just make a deal with you. Mm -mm. At some point, the son still had to come back. And here's what I love. And here's what you have to get tonight. Is that the God who loves you is watching and waiting on you to come back too. He's looking over the hillside. He's waiting on you to start to walk. And guess what? Listen. You don't have to come all the way because he's going to run out and meet you. He's going to run out and meet you. Something most people don't see. I didn't see it until I was really studying this. The father wasn't by himself. Did you see that? It said the servants were with him. This is beautiful. This is what we get to be as a church. We get to be the servants. When our father runs out in front of us, we get a chance to pick up and run and chase after him because he's going to lead us to lost sons and daughters who are looking to try to come back. They just don't know the way. And we're gonna be there when our father wraps his arms around them. And we're gonna be there to go and to run and to do all the things. We're gonna get a chance to grab the robe and to get the fatted calf. And we're gonna be the ones to throw the party and to celebrate. And we're gonna be the ones to reacclimate them back to the house. This is what we get to do as a church. 
you've been running, today's your day to come on back home. A lot of people ask me, where'd the name of home church come from? This is it right here. This idea that we have a father who is always welcoming his children back home. This is a house that anyone, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, the dirtiest of dirties that you've been a part of, maybe you're in it right now. It's okay. This is a house you can call home. Because we have a father who says it's okay. I love you. I'm waiting. I'm watching. Come on home, son. Come on home, daughter. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If there's anything that we can do to serve you or come alongside of you in your journey, please reach out. You can reach us at hello at myhomechurch.cc.